Good morning and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block. This show is being recorded live and will be available shortly after its conclusion as a podcast. We invite anyone listening to join us live on Zoom or by phone and share your thoughts and feedback, which you can also do by sending us an email directly to ejsshow at protonmail.com. Welcome, Ed, Jody, Mike. Good morning, guys. Good morning, everybody. This is Good morning, Ed. Remind everybody we should keep yes. identifying ourselves yes. in case we forget who we are. Yes, that's right. I am Mike, and I'm in the People's Republic of New Jersey. I'm Jody. <laughs> I'm in Illinois today. And this is Ed in the semi-free state of North Carolina. Everybody's got to get political on this show. I don't get it. <laughs> Part of the issue is that Zoom puts your names up on the screen, but you can't see it on the screen when you show the video. So it's hard to remember that no one knows who you are. But anyway, I'm not gonna go through a list of stories like I usually do. I'm gonna mention a couple of the stories that I think are the biggest stories and see if you agree with me and see what you think are the biggest stories. Um, I'm gonna actually say, all right, I'll go two biggest stories. The lieutenant colonel who's in the brig and Rihanna's new t-shirt. Okay, Rihanna's new t-shirt is news to me. So you'll have to fill me in on that one. She's apparently got a t-shirt. Bill Whittle, I, I barely know who she is, but Bill Whittle did a podcast. Oh no, I did see it. Yes, yes. While it's still legal. Yeah, I did see that. I'm sorry. Right. And he did a what podcast. What did it say? Do what think, while it's still legal? Think while think it's still while legal. It's still legal. And he thinks it's a really big deal because he basically says she has more views in his words than all the conservative talkers and all of their history put together. So, okay, so you um, notice how ne- last week we talked about Nicki Minaj and all of a sudden she's disappeared. I mean, how long um, is it gonna be before this person disappears? Um, but she is big. I mean, does anybody, I can't imagine anybody here follows her and wants to admit it. No, I but remember can she I had add... some big song a few years ago. But she's in the like billion views world. So, well, I don't know if you guys saw it, but adding to that sort of engine of potential red pills, um, did you guys see Russell Brand's video about um, it? Was it's I, I I'll share it or I, I I've shared it, but basically, you know, he's a lefty. And he is really angry and disappointed and blah, blah, blah. And he goes through the whole thing about, wait, the whole Russiagate thing that was all a lie. And he's just waking up to this reality and now he's angry. So just adding that to maybe that, you know, engine of red pills happening out there. I don't know how big Russell Brand is in the lefty world, but. I think the biggest story is. I think the biggest stories of the week are the the passage of the National Defense Authorization Act um, and the pending votes in the in the House, I guess, about the uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill and the reconciliation bill that are pending. Uh, those are those are Don't pretty worry, big. Ed, it's zero dollars. There's nothing to worry about. It's going to be zero dollars. So what was, I, I in, think it, what was in the NDAA that makes it important, Ed? Um, I think the red flag laws for uh, military people is, is a big deal. And I think on a cultural level, I think the provision where 
daughters, girls are going to have to sign up for selective service is a, an enormous deal, is, is of enormous significance culturally. Uh, we don't fight, you know, if women want to volunteer to fight in, in combat, I mean, I'm going to defer to the military authorities on that, but I'm not going to go and, and say that's a bad idea. Uh, but to treat the, to treat all people as, as interchangeable livestock to be drafted into the military uh, and not recognize any sex differences between uh, males and females, boys and girls, I just think that's a, a real, real bad thing and a real bad step in the wrong direction culturally. And I think militarily, it's going to lead to a significant military unpreparedness. You know, I, I agree with you on every single thing you said. My head is spinning and wrapped up on top of itself like a pretzel on what you mean by drafting women when there's no such thing. That's right. And just like they're fighting over everything else, the big stink, what was it, Lancet? I've had a story about people with vaginas or something instead of saying women and then they had to go back on it. Well, my mind is literally spinning from this. I thought they were well, the party, the party of science. So you're going to tell us there's really no difference between uh, men and women physically. No, but Mike, we they'll are. just redefine what science is. It's it's really just but pseudoscience. But as long as they redefine it, it's whatever we say. We, we've got to pay attention to a whole bunch of balls that are in the air, and you know, one of them is New York fired a whole bunch of healthcare workers and said that they're going to replace them with National Guard people. Um, I think that's, that's a template. They're going to, they're going to use the military to, to perform functions that were otherwise in the past civilian functions. So no, there's no draft right now, but things are changing so fast mm -hmm. that who knows if it's going to be, if, if they're going to have a draft next week or next month or next year. Uh, you know, I'm oh, not going to say that can't happen. You're making great points. What happens if I'm non-binary and I don't identify as either a man or a woman? So shouldn't the law should actually read all, I don't want to say all human beings because I may not identify as that, um, all people descended from homo sapiens on at least one side or something, because I don't identify as either, then I wouldn't be drafted anyway. And I'm just saying people are slightly starting to confront this ridiculousness. Well, I don't know. We're crazy enough that some judge will accept it. I don't identify as that. So judges would probably only accept it if it comes from the left. Well, it comes from the far left, which again may be our only hope. You know, Israel always has this issue. They do draft women. Um, the, the fight in Israel is women in combat and women in tanks. And I'm not up to date as of the moment, but I know there was a big push to put women in tanks. I believe it got put on hold and then it went back. I'm not even sure where it is exactly now. But now is all of this passing, Ed, or is just in stages of passing? Uh, the NDAA, I believe, has passed. So you're saying the women's signing up for the draft is the law? Um, I'm sure it passed the House. I... I'm not positive if it's passed the Senate yet, but I think it has. I think it's on its way to. I would think that's huge news. I mean, I know that I some of this hit the news. I don't remember seeing if it passed or not. So I don't know if somebody wants to check because it is a huge deal. Women yeah. signing up for the draft. It really is. a. Big uh, deal. I, I think when it comes to the budget and all the, the money, and I think we have to put quotes around that now because I don't know, <laughs> just like fiat money. Um, 
to me, it's not even about the money anymore. It's, it's about all of the junk that they're throwing into this quote unquote infrastructure bill. And it, like I said, I mean, if it was just money and, and debt, that's bad enough, but there's stuff in there to control our lives. Um, it is a down payment on the Green New Deal. You have things like this crazy mileage tax uh, that they want to have in there. And again, how do, they, how do they track that? They have to track it, our every movement. So these are the things that obviously are, are of more concern. And when we talk about the culture and, and everything like that, they're, they're taking steps to put provisions in these bills that take away more and more of our liberty. Well, where is the dialogue about that um, tax, that mileage tax being incredibly regressive? I mean, with Biden's whole claim that yeah. he's not going to tax all you people, you know, his, all of his promises. I'm not taxing you. I'm taxing sure. others. Mm -hmm. Where is the narrative from from the right and the media pushing back on that lie? I mean, that's a really <laughs> bad tax on middle and lower income people. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Uber drivers, yeah. Doubling. yeah. Think of the Uber drivers, all the transportation company. I mean, come on. Come on, man, you're supposed to say. Come on, come man. On, man. <laughs> Again, the a quick search while you were talking, and it looks like the, the Senate has not yet passed the NDAA, so it's not law yet. Yeah. Because like, it 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 this should be a much wrong. bigger debate. Some of these issues. The, it's just unbelievable. Now, the other question I have, if you're following the news more closely than I am, Schumer announced they have some kind of deal for some kind of continuing resolution, but without raising the debt ceiling. Is anybody following this closely? I mean, who cares? I mean, they're just going to pretend they're, they're, they're pretend it's, it's all a game of pretend. Right. I mean, they're going to keep spending. There's nothing that's going to stop them from spending. There's nothing that's going to stop them from borrowing. If they have to hide it by putting things off budget, they'll do. They'll hide things by putting it off budget. If they have to furlough federal employees for a, a week or two weeks or a month, they'll just give them back pay when it's all over. They're just going to keep spending. There's, I mean, this is all just you know kabuki theater to me. Yep. Can't disagree with that one. Okay, so the debt ceiling. I silenced you with my brilliance, under... have I? <laughs> what, Steve? The debt ceiling will be raised one way or the other. So, you of know, um, I want to give a shout down to factcheck.org. I don't know if you guys have ever been to that website, but I went there looking uh, to see if they did a fact check on Biden's whole zero dollars. Tragically, they haven't. Uh, but I did find some other fact checks that were really, I used to, I used to have at least a little bit of trust in what they would write. Uh, but yeah, not anymore. Um, and one of I did see a different fact check, not from them. I'm sorry, I can't remember who it wasn't. It wasn't Snopes or any any other completely unreputable places, but uh, said that an analysis said, of course, it's going to be 5.5 trillion in total and 3 trillion going to the, to the debt and 1 trillion borrowed. And, uh, you know, it, it is, it's all theater, but 3.3 3 trillion borrowed and 1 trillion 
No, uh, that is in the debt. 5.5 trillion okay. ultimately will be the cost. 3 trillion added to the debt. One, I don't know. I don't remember how it worded it, but it basically was saying there's no way. But uh, a pox upon the supposed fact checkers, which I mean, <laughs> let's just be honest. They're fact spinners. They're not fact checkers. They're Listen, fact I, spinners. I, I have... I have personal experience with them. Me too. <laughs> uh, when I was at Americans for Prosperity in New Jersey, uh, they reached out to us several times. Um, they twisted themselves into a pretzel politifact mm-hmm. to show that we were wrong. And, you know, <laughs> verbal gymnastics, the, what and, they do is really profound. And, and profound. The, the, the great one was one time they reached out to us about something and we proved our case and that we were right and they never ran the store. Well, you're lucky they didn't run the story and then pretend to retract it or make a note later that's, you know, somewhere far. Oh, we corrected it. We corrected that little point because I've seen them do that where the correction is so far away and unfindable. They'll say no. they corrected it, but it it's not really visible to. No, no nobody ever notices corrections. No. Right? I mean, the cat's out of the bag. That's it. No, they make sure it's that way. <laughs> Now, does anyone doubt for a minute that if the Republicans were, quote, in power, they wouldn't be raising the debt ceiling? Of course they would. Of course they would, right? They they did. How many times did they do it when when they were presented with that? Mm -hmm. I mean, every time. Has anybody not ever raised the debt? Didn't they pass some kind of law that it that it raises itself automatically for a bunch of years? I don't think so. I believe so. I'm aware. Look it up. They had some kind of trick that they did during Trump's administration, I think, where it automatically goes up. So I've I've lost all faith ever since. I mean, when when Obama got reelected in 2012, they had delayed a vote on the debt ceiling pending the results of that election. And when Obama won, Boehner and and Paul Ryan caved and they gave him the the Cromnibus. reconciliation in December of 12. And I don't think the Republicans have made any credible stand against the the raising the debt ceiling since then. So back in theater, their acting ability of not laughing in each other's faces really is stellar. I don't think there's anything about the Republican Party that's stellar. Well, I mean, Schumer not laughing in McConnell's face when he pretends to care about a debt ceiling. I think that's stellar acting. I mean, look, it's bad enough that 95% of what they do is not constitutional, but they, they pass things that, that aren't lawful either in, in the way that they do it. I mean, Ed brought up um, the Obama era, and we know what they did with Obamacare. That it, was, it was passed in a completely illegitimate way, let alone all the bribes that were being uh, handed out in order to get votes. I mean, in the same um, political culture... Nancy Pelosi's declaration that we have to pass the bill in order to find out what's in it would have been a permanently disqualifying statement. She would have been forced out of office the next day and we would have never heard from her since. The fact that she is Speaker of the House and they continue to pass these multi-thousand page bills that nobody is reading, it's a a crime. I mean, and it shows that this is not the republic that we thought we had. So you know what, I'm going to go back to right. Jody's point a minute ago. Um, Russell Brand, whoever he is, saying, oh, my God, I'm shocked, is a very big part of the fact that the American 
public is so incredibly uneducated and ignorant of what's really happening. I wonder how many people in America who voted for Biden even know that half of these things ever happened. Right. Well, well you know, of course they don't. Half of the people who voted for Biden are dead. <laughs> Ed, you're awesome. Today, Ed. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> No, but you know, Which, I by think, the way, puts them both on the same side of the line, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I found in Russell Brand's little speech was when he said the way it was sold to him, the way he heard it in the media, it was just a foregone absolute fact of truth. And so I think what I mean, he was saying, you know, what I think so many are experienced, and I I don't want to say experience because I think it's happening by them, not to them, but they're believing things without looking underneath the hood, without checking, without asking any questions, without, they just, well, it sounds true. So it must be true. It goes back to what you were saying a minute ago about the fact checkers though, even if they try and look under the hood. But, 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 you know, having, having been there and the fact checkers are, that was a huge part of my own process of awakening to the point where I made, I made a website that was taking on the fact checkers called votefacts.org, which was quite frankly, really awesome. And if it hadn't gotten hacked, I'd still be doing it, but it was too much money. The whole thing got crushed anyway, but I was taking on taking things that, you know, PolitiFact would say, and they would give their arbitrary truth rating and then they they would give you their list of resources to buttress their their um rating and it was all it was it was incredible verbal gymnastics they would say something is mostly true based on such arbitrary things and they even they would even say it in there yeah you know the facts do support that but what he really meant was I, they really go out of their way to give truth where they wanted truths and to give false where they wanted false. It was so blaringly obvious. And the reason I bring it up is because once, once you start to see a little bit of dishonesty and how you can't see it now is beyond me. But once you see a little bit, how do you not kick that door open and say, whoa, wait a minute what else have you been lying about and start to go down the rabbit hole of questioning and learning and educating yourself. It's that part that I don't understand about now, if Russell brand doesn't educate himself, if this doesn't mobilize him to get truly educated on truth, I don't know what to say, but hopefully it is that door opening and he breaks it open and he learns how dishonest and deceptive. A lot of them aren't going to learn. First of all, the media has an agenda. We know that. And the politifacts of the world are part, they're part of it. They're out, they're setting out to have a narrative and they're going to twist themselves into a press. I know, they're but gonna at lie. Some they're going to lie, they're going to conceal and do whatever point, it takes to push that, that agenda. At some point, reality has to hit viewers. At some point, people start to learn that they're liars. Okay, and but my- they, we had people watching MSNBC for four years telling them that Trump was a Russian agent, Trump, uh, c- Russian collusion and everything like that. We found out. It was a complete a complete lie. Do you think all those people started to tune out of MSNBC? They're just on to the next thing. I mean, I I still have oh. liberal friends that still think that the whole Russian thing is true. 
Well, they probably Trump, also Trump believe that 3.5 they, they probably also believe that $3.5 trillion is $0 cost. I mean, I guess there's those people who are just lost. I think they're the people who strangely have no moral compass when it comes to lies and deceit. It's okay with them. But I don't think that's the majority. And so I mean, we, we talk about people like, like Russell, the Russell brands who... Okay, at least he's learned something really important they lied about. Now, I hope he takes that ball and runs with it and understands this is the tip of their corrupt, dishonest iceberg. And he starts to really go down well, the looking rabbit hole. Maybe little by little, some of them realize that they're if gonna- he's angry at a lie. It means he has a moral compass about lies. The people who have no they have they have no discomfort with blatant dishonesty because they believe that it's a, it's a means to an end. If it benefits them, lies are just a means to an end to benefit them. Those people are, it's, they'll, they, they will probably still deny, they'll call, uh, you know, the Russell, they'll call him a liar. They'll call him, they won't even, you know, but I don't think they're, they're the majority. I think, I hope. God. Listen, I think some of them won't turn on, until they realize that, that the tiger is headed for them. Well, you, until you know it's I mean? no longer in their benefit, the lie no longer favors them. Is yeah, I mean. Because uh, right now, last oh, week, I get more last... money. Oh, I don't have to work. Oh, oh, it benefits me. Once that benefits them is gone, then, then they'll care. I mean, last week at the end, I talked about what happened down on the border with the border agents and how they were trying to claim that they had whips when we knew it was their reins for the you know, on horseback. So, I mean, there's a meme that's been going around showing a lioness with the cub in her mouth and it shows from di two different angles. And it's like the one, one is we, one's what we, what we see where the cub is just in the mouth and the other one, it looks like she's eating the cub. Mm -hmm. And that's supposed to be the media's angle. And I think the meme is totally flawed. I think the angle is the same. They just lie about what they see. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. I mean. So I'm going to go back to the beginning of the show. I think that's why Rihanna is so incredibly important because she speaks to that side of the aisle. Most of her fans are probably not listening to EJS right now. And I think it's huge. And then also everybody saw this YouTube with that basketball player who I never heard of because I don't follow that was anymore. Amazing. This guy Jonathan Isaac. First of all, he was so articulate. I almost totally. off my feet. He sounded like a college professor. Um, not like your average. Absolutely. Um, and he just ripped. So when you have people who the other side does listen to, they're going to hear it at least once. That's why I think this is huge because our message doesn't get through to them because when I get into an argument with liberals, well, you're quoting right wing fringe media and I can name 25 sites, but by definition, they are all right wing fringe media. Anything that disagrees with them, well, that's what that is. That's when you come back and say, you realize that ad hominem is not itself a fact-based logical argument. It's just ad hominem. They don't get that generally, but because they, you have to, just, you have to argue facts with facts and they just won't do it. They'll come back. Well, with and on the other flip side of the coin, if they're not going to argue facts, then you just got to respond by telling them that they're pedophiles and to buzz <laughs> off. <laughs> So I'm sure you, everybody reads that Kirk Schlichter, Schlichter, however he pronounces it, 
So I think somebody just passed around the article before the show, basically saying if we're all Hitler, we need to stop kowtowing. Did anybody see that article, that column? I didn't, but it speaks to me. Yeah, I, I think somebody. Wait, what was it? What it was this thing you just said? If we're if we're all Hitler, then we need to what? He said they're going to call us Hit, Hitler anyway. One second, Kurt. How do you spell this guy's last name? You know, S C H L I C H T E R. It's so German sounding that it's scary. I almost wonder why. Easy, easy. Okay, every every Republican is literally Hitler. So stop caring what libs say. When will Republicans stop trying to kick the Lucy's football that is liberal approval? It's a great article. And he basically goes down the list of which we all know every Republican president, every Republican candidate is considered as far right, wacko, Hitler, Nazi, et cetera, as you can be until he flips to their side, like George W. and Liz Cheney, et cetera, et cetera. He goes, we have to stop sucking up to them and be who we are. They're going to call us that anyway. Yes, and I know, Ed, that does seem to be what you believe. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. could say that, you could say that about it, anything and everything. We're racist, we're homophobes, blah, blah, blah. But he's right. They this, say this, it no matter no. what until we yeah. go, go Mike, you just gave him that little clip. They're going to take just those words. We're this, this, this. They're going to move everything else. You just <laughs> ruined us. You realize that the press right. is now on the side heavily of a Bush and a Cheney? I mean, you talk about 1984. Uh, whatever it takes to move the ball. Do these exactly. kids, I guess kids don't remember the hatred for Cheney? Far more than they ever hated a guy like Stalin. Yeah. Heck, they, they did a whole movie on him about what an evil SOB is. Now she so. changed her mind on gay marriage. Now she's gone totally, <laughs> totally. And I reviewed it, by the way. So. You reviewed the book, the movie? <laughs> Where do Steve, we go? I think Steve what I keep asking. Where do we go from here? <clears throat> what do we do? Where do we go? I, I Well, I think when we're talking about where we go, I think that it's important to just look around what's happening in the rest of the world. You know, look what's happening in Australia right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're on the I want to say they're on the cusp of martial law, but they they really have martial law implemented in various parts of the country. Um, Israel is got a lot of martial law as well you know look at the elections that we've that that just happened in the last week in canada and, and germany canada basically did uh followed california's lead they re-elected their gavin newsom uh you know they re-elected justin trudeau with a big margin uh they're they're obviously all in on on the fascism you know germany they sort of had a uh, a mixed election. We don't know who's going to wind up being the, the new chancellor after Merkel. Um, but there doesn't seem to be any uprising around the world that's going to that's going to lead. We well, are going to have to lead the way out of this desert. I mean, this is one of the questions that I have at this moment is when when do we engage in real civil disobedience over these mandates, people lo losing their livelihood? Um, being fired from their jobs, they don't get the, the jab. I mean, we're we're getting close to that tipping point if we're not there. And I am starting to wonder where the the movement is on our side to start really rebelling. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to all of this. Give me a second here. Um, we mentioned that poor guy Kurt Scheller is now in jail. I guess he can go visit the January six people. The crushing of the rebellion 
is very, very strong and strict, number one. Number two, yesterday morning in New Hampshire, at a rally, I think our fearless leader, Elliot, was at, they had, you know, New Hampshire has this thing called executive council, which I believe is five members. And they're like a fourth branch of government. They have certain powers. They don't have certain powers. It's kind of murky. But they were having a meeting about accepting a $27 million grant, I believe it was, from the feds that came with a tremendous amount of strings attached as far as COVID rules. And so they did a protest. And most of the protest seemingly was, you know, standing outside with signs. But apparently someone into the meeting and reportedly I haven't watched videos of it. They got yelling and loud and the meeting was canceled. And now within the list that I'm a part of, there are back and forth recriminations. Should we have done that or did we go too far since they just said we're walking out of the meeting, we're postponing the vote. And now apparently Sununu, as we speak, is on some conservative talk show, supposedly. And he's going to say, you know, you were threatening them and this is not who we are, et cetera, et cetera. So every time we go slightly beyond picketing peacefully, holding up sweet little signs, they come down on us. Even our side comes down on us. So I think the message from Scheller is very, very strong. If you dare, we will lock you up. Well, you know, there's a historical example that comes to my mind, and I don't know if we're going to have our our parallel moment, but um, most people are, at least of our generation, were taught the story of John Brown. Uh, he tried to take over a federal uh, munitions center in, in Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. Uh, he was unsuccessful. He was captured and put on trial and convicted. Um, nobody thinks that he had the right to go and, and take over a federal armory, uh, but the lesser known part of the story was that he was pretty much considered across the board as an upstanding citizen and a, a virtuous person. Um, and there were a lot of people that were calling for him for the penalty to be uh, lenient, if not uh, for the governor to pardon him. But he was actually executed. And a lot of people in the South took that execution to in the same way that you're just describing, Steve, that there's no negotiation possible, that war is really the only answer. And when I look at what they're doing and how they're crushing people, that seems to be the message that that these people in charge right now are giving us, that there's no negotiation possible, war is the only answer. And it's, you know, I'm an attorney, I live my, make my career based on, you know, making legal arguments and using reason um, I'm all for that, um, but I'm not going to pretend that I don't see what I see. Uh, they are pushing us towards war. They're pushing us towards uh, war is the only solution. And I don't know what the John Brown moment is going to be. I don't know if it's something with these January 6th prisoners. I don't know if it's Lieutenant Colonel Scheller. Um, maybe it's going to be something else. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's going to be some public humiliation of someone like Rihanna or, or Nicki Minaj. I don't know. Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe we won't have that moment. Maybe we're just going to succumb. How, how many shellers do you think there are in, in the military? Uh, hard to say, except that I, I think that uh, Austin and Millie are doing everything they can to segregate them and ostracize them and kick them out. Okay. I mean, 
do you think that they're the majority of the rank and file? I, I don't, I would have no basis of saying that. I mean, you what know, I'm saying, what I'm getting at, I would have, you know, it's sort of like the, the police, right? I mean, you know, people on our side tend to support the police. Um, but then I saw what happened last year and continues to happen this year. And the police don't seem to have any problem with Black Lives Matter and Antifa burning their cars and burning their police stations and committing riots and mayhem. And they don't do a goddamn thing. Uh, but they are willing to drag people like you and me or, or our grandparents uh, into, the, into through the streets and into jail. So, I mean, am I pro-police? I mean, I, I thought was I was. That, was that because of the police themselves or was it because the leadership? I mean, that- but in the end, it doesn't matter. Mike is asking me about the, the rank and file. I mean, if they're just going to follow orders and they're just going to shoot at well, us. I mean, that's, that's, I, you know, that's maybe- what I'm getting at, obviously, is. If those orders are given, right, are are a lot of them going to turn around and say, I'm not doing this? I think the, the, the history, you know, what happened in the last year with the police suggests to me that the overwhelming majority, if not all of them, are going to shoot at us. That's what I think. I mean, it's an interesting question. I mean... I, I don't know. If there's more shellers maybe, out there. What's happening? Maybe, the maybe they're maybe they're going to turn on their superiors and not us. I, I, I don't mean, know. I don't know the lo- answer. The local question. police are not subject to the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So if anyone's going to disobey an order, I would think that they would have a lot more leeway to try and disobey an order. And yeah. none of them are disobeying those orders. They're all they're all protecting the rights of of rioters to riot, but they're not protecting our rights to you know, to, to hold outdoor church services or have outdoor gatherings. I mean, they, they have no problems arresting us and following their orders when it comes to clamping down on us. I just so, shared the story. I think it's DeSantis who just said yesterday, is Australia any freer than communist China, which is <laughs> mind boggling. So, the, you know, the obvious question is, are American police going to be any different than Australian police? And why would they be? Maybe the evidence to date says no. What, Jody? Maybe it depends on the state you're in. I mean, I don't see any state where where the police are are not following those orders. I mean, where do we have a refuge? Where where is the sanctuary from BLM? Well, I mean, remember those police were taking orders from who? Mainly Democrat mayors and governors in those states, right? What has, I mean, Ron DeSantis is probably the best governor in the country right now that I see. What has he said directly against BLM or Antifa? Do they have that? I'm not, I'm not sure, but were there massive riots going on in Florida? Did he, uh, you know what I mean? I think it was, was, and and, uh, I don't recall, I don't recall anything big in Florida. I, I know Seattle and, um, you know, Minneapolis and other cities around the country mainly blue areas, but I, I don't know that there was a big riot in Florida that where DeSantis would have been able to, you know, say, hey, <laughs> we're not going to tolerate this. So I'm not, I'm not well, sure. Would, I, I don't even, if there weren't, even if there weren't one, why wouldn't he proactively say, stay the hell out of my state. If you come here, you'll he be arrested. But again, we were talking in the context of police taking orders. And I, so I, I don't, I didn't see DeSantis giving orders to stand down. No, he didn't give any orders to stand down. That's that's fair. Um, 
and I'm not saying he's a bad governor. I started off by no. saying he's probably the best thing we have right now. My uh, sense I, of DeSantis is he's rising with the challenge. He's gotten better since COVID, the exact opposite of Sununu, who's gotten worse since COVID. Yeah, I mean, DeSantis started off by closing the beaches in Florida. I do remember that. Yeah, you know, well, you know, early on when it was less, we were we we had less knowledge. I guess you could toss that up. I don't it's know. Um, BLM that may be the people to save us, along with Rihanna and Jonathan Isaac, et cetera, because BLM, I believe, is asking for national major protests against the vaccine mandates. "Quote: We need George Floyd-style protests against vaccine mandates." Again, the left is splitting off. It's the unions. Now, can you imagine us being on the same side as BLM? And again, no, and I don't think that we should. I think we should reject whatever help they want to offer. If they want to make that fight, I'm not, you know, more power to them. But we should not in any way, shape or form ally with them. We shouldn't give them any aid and comfort. Um, The enemy of my enemy is not my friend. Um, No, but we can enjoy it if they do it, because. Yes. Salvation may come from the wackos on the left. Like I say, some of the most radical unions are the ones who are going to fight this vaccine mandate. We yeah, can cheer on the side yeah. silently, but I, I wouldn't be giving public support to, to an organization like that. No, and a matter of fact, as soon as, as soon as this episode's over, I'm calling up yeah. that BLM and canceling his participation in next week's show. But <laughs> Then those unions will get a carve out, which we've seen happen in other situations before, while the rest of us have to deal with the, the force that's being used against us. And there's also mm-hmm. the super irony of, you know, there was a hospital in North Carolina also um, fired some 175 people um, from the hospitals. And this irony of A, the superheroes of yesterday being the villains of today, and B, we're going to fix the health care of our country by firing all the healthcare workers. The, like oh. I, said, I said before about drafting women, my head is spinning. We're, so many countries. Oh things are happening at the same time let me steal a page out of ed's book here so you know these mandates obviously are about controlling us but at this point you have to feel that they're also a means towards economic destruction uh, because if people are going to lose their jobs and they're not producing the economy is bound to take a massive hit i mean if you're laying off tons of healthcare workers you can bring in the national guard but it doesn't matter those people are now out of work Right? They're not getting paid. They, they don't have a, a source of their livelihood. We see what's going on with the, the cargo ships um, off California sitting there. They can't even dock because I, I think there's not enough truckers to move the goods. And so at this point, I feel like, you know, Ed constantly talks about where something's big, something big is coming. They want the digital currency. I have to sit here and think that now they're using all of this to cause economic chaos and destruction. And we talked last week about the Evergrande situation in China. Um, I don't know if you guys were able to spend any time following up on that during the week, but um, that is a huge potential problem. Uh, China is trying to control it, but um, that could be the 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 you know the tim- the spark that sets this all off. Um, there's you know, a lot of international banks, American banks are uh, potentially exposed. Um, the Chinese banking system is entirely exposed. 
and it could lead to a, a, a serious economic event if um, uh, depending upon how the defaults cascade. And um, you know, we're talking about the debt ceiling limit earlier. Um, you know, China and and even not just China, but banks that are affected by it. Uh, could wind up not being able to show up at treasury auctions coming up, which will leave the Fed with the, op- with the, with the choice of either facing sharply higher interest rates or printing a lot more money to monetize the debt and having a lot more inflation. Um, those are the two possibilities. If the, if the contagion happens and uh, Evergrande does go down and, is, and they're not able to contain the damage, um, so, and that either one of those possibilities is going to lead to massive unemployment here in the United States. And if you recall a couple of weeks ago, I, I said that I think it's really noteworthy in the Sherlock Holmes, the dog didn't, that didn't bark way, uh, that, uh, the first week of September, September 4th came and they, they let unemployment, extended unemployment benefits expire, uh, without a peep. From the squad or from from the far left part of the Democrat Party, um, even if it wasn't going to pass, even if Republicans were going to suddenly have a spine and get enough Democrats peeled off to oppose any kind of uh, extension, I, I think it's extremely noteworthy that there was no debate, no discussion. It wasn't even raised, and that tells me that Democrats know something is coming. I mean, there's just that's the dog that didn't bark to me. What's also interesting, you know, talking about cracking down, I think they're making it pretty clear that anybody who loses a job over this vaccine thing is not getting unemployment. Yeah, you know, I I actually started working with someone in the last week or so. Um, and that's part of what we're, we're fighting vaccine mandates and mask mandates. But uh, part of the practice that we're doing is representing people in unemployment. And that is certainly uh, New York has a policy that they're not going to, they're not going to give you unemployment. And New Jersey is apparently going to do the same thing. Um, they're, they're trying to starve us out. Um, they're, they're, this is a, a coordinated effort to, to starve us out and to, to really hurt people. Um, and this is coming from people that talk about healthcare being a right you have a right to food, you have a right to medicine, but yeah. you don't and have a right to any of it. And they're the compassionate ones, right? Yeah. 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 You know, and I remember we talked about this over a year ago when there was that sort of um, brewing awareness that any modern warfare is going to be economic. Uh, more, I mean, they could... Just the left could destroy the right so quickly and easily from an economic standpoint because they control all the levers of our economy and our culture. They don't even have to fight. They don't even have to fire shots. At, you know, they can. Well, they're going to do both. Can, I'm sure they I mean, will. They are doing. They are doing both. I mean, you know, the police are weaponized. I mean, you know, they're weaponized here and they're weaponized in Australia and they're weaponized in Canada and they're weaponized in Israel. I mean, this is happening all over the globe. Um, we have to have our eyes open and, and see what's happening. If we wait, you know, we're going to wind up being 
you know, the people that got herded onto trains and there was no, well, you there was feel no like you don't even it. know who is the we though. Like we, there's no, it, it's, it feels so, um, I don't feel like there's any cohesive unity of anything that we can even subscribe to. Well, I don't know about unity, but I mean, the we is all of us. I mean, you know, maybe we should start a pool as to which one of us is going to be the first one brought to a camp. You know, there was this story on this thing, www.worldviewweekend.com, which I don't know if you guys sent it to me or vice versa, where the CDC is saying it has the authority to do everything yeah. that's being that's being done in Australia. Um, so scary. <laughs> yeah. So again, you know, they're letting us know that if we try to think or try to protest, there's nothing they can't do. And again, which one of us wants to give up our jobs and our pensions, et cetera, et cetera? Well, I mean, that's where that's where leadership comes from. And that's why a guy like DeSantis or, or Greg Abbott or one of Greg, Greg Abbott's primary challengers or or some other leading Republican governor needs to take the lead and say, you can come work here. My state's going to be free and we will fight to the death if we have to. I mean, he doesn't have to they don't have to be that provocative, but they, they somebody somebody who's who can offer the leadership needs to lead. I mean, that's why. We do need leaders. We do need government. We need to have our, we need to have someone who can help protect us. You're, you're right. We're not going to be able to, to fight them as this disaggregated, uh, you know, you know, in millions of people that are just wailing, you know, whining and yelling and screaming. I mean, they're just going to you know mow us all down. Mm-hmm. We, we we need some leaders to step forward and say, okay, this is a huge problem, and I'm gonna ri- I'm gonna rise to the challenge, and I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with it. You can come to my state and you can be safe. You can come to my city and it'll be safe. I mean, although cities tend to be run by Democrats, um, there are there are guys like DeSantis and, and other guys. I mean, you know, Sununu is a bad Republican governor, but he's still a Republican governor. I mean, there are Republicans out there that can take a look at what's going on and say, you know what, I may not be, you know, the most conservative guy. I may not be, you know, Ted Cruz or you know, uh, Thomas Massey or Rand Paul, but uh, I, I can stand up and, and see what's, you know, I can call out wrong when it's, when I see wrong and, you know, I'm going to stand, you know, protect people and let them know you can come here and we will protect you. Yeah. I mean, two more sort of related stories about media crackdowns, etc. I'm sure everybody's seen that YouTube has announced they're going to crack down on all vaccine misinformation. And Fox banning Rudy Giuliani for three months. What is going on? Yeah, yeah I, I want to so, know who died and made made YouTube the arbiter of what's true and, and what's misinformation. Right. Well, you know, except that they don't go after misinformation. I mean, there's legit misinformation. Facebook is a really good example. I've had experiences with Facebook where I've legit. One of them was even a, it was even a New York Times article. Um, that happened to have information in it that the left doesn't like and Facebook wouldn't allow it. Now, look, they're not about misinformation. They're about information they don't like. It's because, you know, there, there's another meme that I saw going around that was chock full of misinformation against the right. And I fact checked that and 
tried to bring forward information. And of course, things, my fact checking stuff uh, wasn't allowed to be shown by Facebook, but that meme was allowed to be shown by Facebook that literally had total untruths all over the place. So we need to come up with a new word because they keep using the word misinformation as if it means what it means. And it's like that guy from the movie. Um, Princess Bride. Princess Bride. You keep using that word, but I don't think mm-hmm. you know what it means. <laughs> this is just another example with the left. They're misusing a word. They're using misinformation, but that's not even remotely what they mean. They mean information we don't like. Who is that masked man that's joined us? <laughs> well, I, I thought I, um, <laughs> after some of the news, I, I, I thought it was pretty obvious that we, we live in some sort of a cartoon universe. So I figured I'd join, <laughs> you know. It's a way to get around, get around that facial rec- recognition them technology. So. Beat them or something like that. Yeah. So I'm now... I'm now only going to appear as a cartoon character to sort of blend in with the whole cartoon character nature of our government and society and media. I like it. Big tech, et cetera. Yeah. Avatar Ed. Oh gosh, right. where do we go? It's if all you, too scary. Know if you followed any of what we were talking about? If you wanted to comment on anything we were talking about, I was on another meeting, so I had just I just joined in the middle of Jody's tirade, uh, and uh, I certainly agree with her. What's the fun in that? <laughs> I know. How important is Rihanna to the culture? Rihanna, the singer. Yeah, I'm asking Ed Powell. You know, think before she wore the yeah. T-shirt. You know, think before it's outlawed or something right, equivalent right. before equivalent before it's banned. Um, it's hard to tell how some of these um, rap stars how important they are to to the to the culture. I, I think that. Um, you know, the first one was, uh, which was Ariana Grande. Yeah. No, the last week we talked about someone. Nicki Minaj. Oh, sorry. Nicki Minaj and now Rihanna. And we had a very interesting and cogent discussion of, uh, vaccines from an NBA basketball player this week as well. It was great. Um, so you know, I guess what we have to say is I think the culture has a tremendous effect on um, the people, but it's got to get past the, the press. It's got to get past the, the wall of censorship. And I think if there's a, a, a more of a snowball kind of reaction among people in the culture, you know, not just one, two or three, but then, you know, the four, five and six, you know, if they're each week has one person, that's, that's one thing. But if, if, you know, this week had two people and next week had four people and the following week have eight people all, you know, prominent in the culture that I think, I think the whole thing is going to collapse, which I hope obviously it does the whole COVID totalitarianism, um, because they're, they're the, 
you know, I don't exactly know what uh, Rihanna was talking about, but the NBA guy, I mean, he was spot on in his uh, criticism. I mean, he, he absolutely knew what he was talking about. He was, he's, he was no dummy. And I think the fact that that made it past the censors and onto TV and the internet was very interesting. Although that may have been, that may have been the thing that uh, triggered uh, Susan Wojcikian to, to uh, ban all content on YouTube that even questions anything about the vaccine. Uh, because you cannot have a, a smart, articulate black, uh, you know, basketball player saying something that uh, the uh, medical dictators disagree with. I don't even think the medical dis uh, dictators disagree with them. I, I think they're, I, I think they have a sort of a classic medieval understanding of medicine of uh, of medicine like in in medieval times the it, within the church you could talk about all sorts of things that the uh, that they didn't uh, particularly want you talking about to the people as long as you wrote in latin kept it amongst yourselves you could talk about all sorts of controversial things they weren't against that but it's as, as soon as you attempted to take these controversial things to the people, then um, that's when they get really mad. And in fact, that, you know, that, that was half of what got Galileo in trouble. He wrote in Italian, right? Not Latin. If Galileo had written all of this stuff in Latin, no one would have cared. But he wrote it in Italian and he wrote it in the form of a dialogue where the, the obvious dumb one in the dialogue was was a parody of the Pope. That that really annoyed. Uh, so yeah, there's this sort of esoteric exoteric thing, right? The esoteric we talk amongst ourselves and we can tell the truth. You know, we we can talk about leaky vaccines and we can talk about the fact that uh, you know vaccinating in the middle of a pandemic causes uh, more mutations, and we can talk about you know the vaccine adverse events. And we can talk about all this, but you can't talk about that to the real people, you know, to normal people, because they might misunderstand the context. So we have to keep that away from them, you see, because they're not smart enough to understand. And I, yeah, it's a, it's a typical, uh, it's a typical way the ruling elite, you know, rules in any oligarchy. Ed, now that you're here and you're a Virginia representative, do you want to comment on uh, the McAuliffe gaffe? What, that it's not up to uh, teachers to, uh, it's not up to parents to uh, decide what to teach their kids? Is this yeah. the, <laughs> I, I, We sure have come far from we send our kids for teachers to be our representatives. I don't, you know, I, I, it's hard to tell about this particular election, right? They say, oh, it's close. I don't think it's close. Um, they said, oh, the California recall was close. It was like 70, 30. It's like, so how were the polls like that wrong? I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of cheating, but there wasn't that much cheating, right? I mean, so how did the, how did the polls, it's just, you don't know what to, you don't know what to believe because everything's spin and everything's outright lies and 
so I, I don't know. I do think uh, Biden's, uh, you know, uh, losing popularity among the among the independents, and and so maybe that will cause a little bit of tilt. Uh, Trump isn't on the agenda anymore, so not yet. Anyway, McAuliffe so, tried to put him on the agenda. I think he said his name like. 20 or 30 times last night or yeah. not last night. Um, and Yunkin is such a squish. Uh, you know, I mean, the yeah. he's, he, he, you know, he and Susan Collins are uh, tied for lack of backbone, you know? So it, but it's hard to, it's hard to say what will happen between now and uh, what used to be called election day. Uh, but I have I think, a feeling McAuliffe will win. Well, that's I think what was most similar in New Jersey. Jersey. Sorry, yeah, huh? go ahead. I, I was, was going to just say, go ahead. Go ahead, Maya. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to simply point out that we have a similar situation in New Jersey where Murphy's going to win handily, and arguably we've got a squishy Republican as well. But Murphy tried his best to paint him as a, uh, a January 6th uh, rioter. I think what's most noteworthy about- He's an FBI about, agent then. Is that what you're saying? The <laughs> Republicans, an FBI agent? Okay. Maybe what's so. most noteworthy about McAuliffe's gaffe is that it's not really noteworthy. I mean, he just said what the Democrat Party believes. And it's not a gaffe. Right? One of our stories this week was, right. you know, that uh, California, you know, Newsom just signed into law that uh, kids can go and get gender reassignment surgery or an abortion on their parents' health insurance, and the parents are not allowed to know. Forget about they don't have to be told. They're not allowed to be told. So this is not something out of the realm of normal. Uh, I can understand why McAuliffe thought that there was nothing controversial about him saying that. Uh, to us normies, it's, it's an outrageous statement. Uh, but the Democrat Party doesn't care about us. They don't, th they don't think that we matter. Um, and... If anything, you know, they say things like that to get us to say things, you know, to respond. And, and our response is not for the purpose of moving them. It's for the purpose of identifying us so they know who to target. Yeah, I mean, I think as, as libertarians and as intellectuals, I think we all think about, well, you know, this guy promises to do X and this guy promises to do Y and, you know, the, the X is good and this and that's not how most people decide to vote. That's how do you decide what sports team to root for, right? I mean, you root for the local team, or if you grew up somewhere else, you root for that team. Or I mean, that that's politics is is in that sense. You know, you have teams, and the teams, um, the teams uh, fight almost solely by emotion, and as intellectuals we just don't understand that you know we can say you know what about the what about the three trillion dollars worth of new taxes and how's that going to hurt the and that doesn't matter it doesn't matter at all to, okay uh, listen go ahead Joni. go ahead no i was just going to say on that note going back to several episodes ago darn it we we got to it at the very end again but it, ed m when you were bringing up how you know um, the right place to the left when we say, yeah, we're in favor of helping the poor, but it has to be through private enterprise. 
and something, you know, Ed P you sort of brought up, it's about intellect, but it's also about emotion. And if the right doesn't wake up to the fact of how people run, you can't just keep, you have to, we have to converge the intellect with the emotion, or we will continue to lose. And I think you do that. First of all, I have both. I ooze emotion. I, I ooze emotion. So, you know, when, when we talk about the poor, I am 100% on board with how does society engage in the problems of poverty and violence. And I think intellect fueled with emotion, intellect being the driver, emotion being the impetus, we look for solutions and that's where we roll. If we say, conversely, we have to, we have to be intellectual beings, we cannot let ourselves be driven by emotion, we will fail every social discussion, not, not, not to mention we won't solve things because, you know, why not then just have um, autom automated intelligence? They'll take the emotion out. They'll literally kill this group for the sake of society because there's no emotion involved. I think emotion is incredibly important. And if we don't start understanding the significance that it plays in winning uh, societal debates, we will. Well, who on the right doesn't done. agree with that, Jody? I mean, I see lots of passion on the right. Why? Why do you think that there's not passion on the right? I I think I don't know if it's passion what you're saying, Jody. No, you're I'm talking, talking about you're talking about stories and narrative, empathy, and understanding. Like, because Ed, you were saying you were using poverty as how do I can't remember exactly how you brought up, but but. Well, we were talking about uh, the vaccine and our, our discussion started with you were saying, if you agree with, if you think the vaccine is good, you medical practitioners, you need to not be saying it because you're just advocating the means to their, the government's end, which is power and control. And I said, well, you, you're telling them then if they believe that the vaccine is good, they need to shut up, but they believe it's good. So they should be talking about what they want to tell people, it's good to have the vaccine. Here's why. Now you can have a dialogue whether or not the science advocates that or not, but, but you brought that then further by saying, look, when we talk about things like poverty, you know, the Democrats win because poverty is just a means that, you know, welfare is a means to an end. Welfare, talking about poverty is a means to welfare, which is a means to control. So you're saying we, you, you brought that in with the right. And then the right comes in and says, yeah, we think we should solve poverty, but we think we should do it privately. And you said that we well, should What be. I said was we can't, if you're going to agree with them on the end to the end goal and then just debate about means, we're going to lose the debate. So I, mean, that's I, I guess I'm not understanding what that means then, because I think when you bring up poverty or when you bring up the vaccine, Okay, poverty, do you not agree with the end goal, meaning solving, making poverty a, a, a markedly more diminished problem in society? As far yes, as I, 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 I disagree that that's a that's government it. goal. I don't think that should be the government's okay. goal. I, I'm, not, I'm, I, I'm not suggesting, but a societal goal. That we, so you're saying we shouldn't engage in societal goal should poverty. Be we should be focusing on the societal goal of freedom and individual liberty. 
That's the goal. And other things are consequences of that. We can't, we can't reverse cause and effect. We have to recognize that uh, pro- wealth and prosperity are a consequence of individual liberty. They're not the cause of individual liberty. And, um, you know, I, I was, while you were speaking, I was thinking of, you know, the YouTube example that was just brought up a little while ago. All of us are for truth, right? I mean, who's against truth? I mean, even these fact checkers say that they're for truth. But the, the issue is, are we for gatekeepers? And if you, if you go and say, well, you know, you know, you know it, it's important to have truth and you, you, you bless what they're doing as some uh, misguided attempt to, to reach the truth and, you know, there's a better way to reach the truth, we're losing that argument. I don't, and- I don't see how you bridge the, and everything, I, I agree with what you're saying, a truth. I don't see how you bridge that with people's emotional desire to positively impact our world such that poverty is not not such a painful reality in our society. People want that to be addressed. Well, you can make an emotional argument on the other side. I mean, with, you know, with truth, you know, you'd say, I'm opposed to censorship. I'm, a, I'm opposed to people muzzling other people who they disagree with. When it comes to poverty, the solution is let people be free. Let people be free to make a better life for themselves. But again, to, to okay, Jody, but Jody, to your point. If again, it were I'm, that easy, would, I mean, really, if it really were just a matter of freedom, because I don't, that's, so you're suggesting the only cause of poverty is lack of freedom. I mean. I think the fundamental cause well, of poverty I is I think lack the of fundamental freedom. cause is broken homes and parents abuse and, you know, mental illness and all, there's, there's a whole slew of those things. And I don't think, you know, broken individuals is but what broke the homes what broke the homes was having the government step in and, and replace daddy well you can't okay so and, and what do you do you, you can't just say okay now freedom and, and broken homes are just going to repair you got human beings that for decades then don't even understand unbrokenness and people do make choices that i mean i understand what you're saying i'm not disagreeing with you that a welfare state is very damaging people but single motherhood is like the number one way to poverty we (laughs) don't engage on that debate but people Uh, are making choices but we we make choices but the the choices aren't being made in a vacuum we're enabling those choices by subsidizing them it depends Uh, on what you're subsidizing it's not it's not mutually exclusive i mean i I tend tend to come uh, on jody's side on this uh you know with the obvious caveat that we all understand that poverty is the natural state of humanity and wealth is the abnormal state, right? So uh, what, we end up, what we end up doing is, is we have to, ref- you know, I mean, intellectually, right? This is not like the emotional argument, but intellectually you have to reframe it. So like, how do we create wealth? Because, um, you know, how do you eliminate poverty? It is impossible. But if, if you talk about specific examples, such as the homelessness crisis in the United States, I mean, that's, you know, that has two uh, causes, the, you know, drugs and mental illness and the whole de-institutionalization uh, of the mentally ill back in the 60s um, has caused, you know, that has caused a, a lot of really terrible uh, 
effects, including we have now replaced, um, you know, mental hospitals with with prisons for the mentally ill. Yeah, but economic economic freedom and liberty lead to prosperity. The more and, you and in, the more you infringe on it, the more poverty right. you're going to have. I mean, but the, so, you got to understand from a broader societal that, perspective, you need to have economic freedom, but it doesn't guarantee that you're going right. to prosper in life. When, when you have like uh, the mental illness issue, which I think is. Um, which I think is very important. From a libertarian perspective, you might you might say that hey, if you're mentally ill, you know you have to wait on private charity, and that you know, and I'm certainly in favor of private charity. But when you understand that the that the actual choice is the mentally ill being in mental institutions where they can get help, or being in prisons paid for by the taxpayer. Those are the actual choices. Um, and I think it then becomes clear that the mental hospitals, you know, are, are a better place for the, and the same thing with, with drug, drug addicts um, that, you know, they- so When I did radio, the radio show I did really, um, bottom line was I was highlighting private solutions to public problems. So I was really researching and discussing, discussing charities, charitable work around the nation. And probably the most inspiring episode I did was about an episode or about an organization in Joplin, Missouri. Uh, it's called Watered Gardens, but within Watered Gardens, they have um, an, an initiative called True Charity. And this gentleman recognized that um, how debilitating welfare is. And he was offering dollar for dollar. I will give you what the, what the government will give you dollar for dollar, but I'm going to teach you, we're teaching you these skills. Basically it really was in my mind, it, it really, really, really highlights the distinction between dependence out of poverty and independence out of poverty independence out of poverty should be the goal. Government is about dependence out of poverty. Create Yes, maybe by an income standpoint, the census can declare those people not in poverty, but they're not independently that way. So they're not free. So this gentleman's work though, I mean, he, he talks about these are people and, 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 and not all of them will accept that dollar for dollar. Some people will say, well, why am I going to work for it when I can get it for free? But the people who want freedom are willing to work. And some of their stories are profound and amazing people who didn't believe they had value because they didn't, they didn't know the basic steps. They hadn't learned them in society. They hadn't learned them in their home. And so if we could juxtapose that message from the left, that not only, um, I don't know, that, that condones that push toward dependence out of poverty. If we could juxtapose those stories and say, look, here's why people independently out of poverty, why this matters, why dependence out of poverty in government is bad, why independence out of poverty is super empowering for those individuals and they feel whole and they feel empowered. I would rather we engage emotionally with the facts is, is the bottom line of what that engage emotionally with the facts. Right. And jo Jody, I mean, look, we, we did the, this, some of this at AFP when I was there. 
Um, you're talking about public relations. It's not enough to have the right policy ideas. And we know that we have the superior ideas when it comes to policy, but you have to have a narrative and a story to tell, whether it's and to we've fight been the minimum, whether, really whether you're fighting the minimum wage, you can't just say, well, the data show that you're going to lose your job. No, you've got to talk to people, business owners, workers that have been harmed and put that story out there. The, that's, the truth that's how has you're to gonna have click an their emotional heart. Appeal. It just does. The truth has to oh. click them emotionally. And when you fail to do that, you fail to win the argument. You fail to yeah. win the narrative. You, you fail to win the hearts of the American people. By the way, I, I didn't know this was going to turn into an episode of The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, but Ed, I, I like your new avatar. <laughs> I, dis- I, I decided to uh, uh, be in solidarity with most of the rest of the men in this panel. <laughs> I'm not going to join easy, you. Easy. There's still something left going on. Up there. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> okay, folks, I'm going to start wrapping up and give everybody plenty of time to talk about what they wanted to talk about, but didn't get a chance. No, I really want to just put out there that what was his name? The NBA guy. If you haven't, if listeners, if you haven't had a chance, it's only like two minutes long and he manages in two minutes to articulate profoundly amazing, phenomenal points. You need to listen to him. It was great. His name is Jonathan Isaac. He deserves to have his name mentioned. I never heard of him before, but I could see this guy in Congress one day. Amen. So far. See him in a cell block one day. Ouch. Next to the January 6th prisoners. Or he can enlist and hang out with Scheller. Same, same deal. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing I have to say um, today to the audience is that they're getting really desperate. I mean, it's pretty obvious that um, the desperation is, is, is getting to a a place um, where it may not it may signal the end of their ability to control um, the narrative. Um, with YouTube cracking down and it's just going to drive people to new tech and uh, whether it's BitChute or, or Odyssey or Rumble um, or, you know, podcasts like this. And I think the, um, I think we might see a complete, breakdown of the narrative and I, I that because I don't think it can go on um, like this for very long I don't think the American people are sheep I, I don't think the, you know I, I think a lot of them are but I don't think they are in general just like the Australian people are fighting back the Italians are fighting back the French are fighting back um, the uh, the Germans even are fighting back. I mean, when the Germans say things have gotten out of control as far as, uh, you know, government repression, then, you know, things have, are pretty bad. So I do think that um, we do have some a possibility of, of uh, the narrative breaking down. And I think that... Um, I'm not sure if we're I gonna, we're, the, we're gonna the see, We're going to see when the flu season starts <laughs> and what they get away with. 
you, okay, you know I just want to add, I just want to say, as the, <laughs> I'm going to call myself for one second, forgive me, the main host of this show, that unlike you two, we do not shut optimists out of this show. <laughs> Although I, I'm not sure I share the optimism there. Maybe, I hope you're right. I'm saying we're being inclusive. I, I Yeah, I, I, I do hope you're right. But listen, I, I see people still on Facebook and when I see voices being suppressed, voices of dissent, um, I, I see people applauding it. So, I mean, you know, that, that tells me that there are a lot of people that um, they, they believe in, in censorship. They don't, they're not like we are in terms of saying more speech is better. Right. They think they're right about the vaccines or they're, they're right about the mandates and they want to shut up. Well, I sort of agree with what Ed Powell just said, but I have a little bit different spin on it. I think that. I think that the covid crisis is close to running its course. Um, I think that. There's not much longer that they can continue to use COVID to justify all the things they're doing. But I think as I've been pounding the drum, they're, they're in the process of creating another crisis. I, I personally believe it's going to be an economic crisis, but it may be something else. Um, that's what I'm looking for. I think that, uh, I think that they're going to continue. They're not going to relinquish the reins on COVID. Um, they're going to keep, mail-in balloting for as long as they can get away with that. Um, and they're going to justify it based on COVID. But um, I think that we are, we are less than six months and maybe even less than three, three months from some new crisis that's going to overtake COVID for, for the emergency powers that they're seeking to, to use to justify controlling us. Um, and we need to be thinking ahead and, and prepared for it. Um, I'm not sure how exactly you prepare, but um, I'll just say, that, like I said earlier in the show, they're pushing us towards war. I don't know if war is coming, but uh, they certainly think war is coming and they're certainly making war on us. And in the exact same way and for the exact same reason that uh, it's been foolhardy for us as a society to ignore all the declarations of war that uh, jihadists have made on us. It will be extremely foolish of us to ignore the declarations of war that these people have make, are making on us. We need to take them seriously. We need to know that they're serious um, and that they are not looking to persuade us. Uh, Biden said a, a couple of days ago that it's going to take about 98, 99% vaccination rate before he starts to relent. Um, the means that they're choosing is, is to try and starve us out, uh, prevent us from buying food, prevent us from having an income, prevent us from being able to pay our rent or our mortgage. Uh, these are not things that, um, if they're worried about our health, uh, you know, if, if it's a public health crisis and they're worried about our health, uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't try and help our health by starving us to death and making it impossible for us to earn an income and, you know, making it difficult for gyms to operate and, and, you know, suppressing all the other information about 
using vitamin D and using zinc and, and, you know, even leaving out things like, you know, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, even leaving them out. I mean, there are things that are readily available over the counter, like, like I said, the vitamins and, and mineral supplements that we know make people healthier and prevent, you know, help protect them against COVID. I mean, vitamin D deficiency is one of the leading causes of um, COVID spread, you know, uh, of being susceptible to COVID. And who from the CDC, you know, I see commercials all the time about getting a shot and getting a vaccine and a vaccine will protect you and a vaccine this, a vaccine that. How about telling people to take high doses of vitamin D? I mean, they don't, they don't even mention that. So it's clear that this is not about protecting our health. It's not about helping us to get healthier. It's about controlling us. And they, you know, controlling us is almost too, too euphemistic. They, they've declared war on us the same way that, that the jihadists have declared war on us. And for us to not take that threat seriously uh, is something that we do at our peril. And we need to start thinking about how to deal with, with that threat. Jody, um, I would love to end on a more positive note, but right now I can't think of one. <laughs> okay, wait. I'm gonna go back to um, may more people be red pilled. May next week, you know, maybe these things, these little squeakings of people starting to wake up and say no, is gonna grow and go on. Michelle Malkin's article where she talked about it, it starts with one and then it becomes more and then it becomes more. And then, you know, there's the vast majority are saying no, not just in the United States, but worldwide. So let's well, end on a better note. Well, if you want to end on a better note, I'll just reference something that I said earlier in the show I alluded to, I, you know, I started working with an attorney who's, you know, we're, we're challenging vaccine and mask mandates. Um, you know, I don't know how successful we're going to be. You know, we've been, we have some unemployment cases. We have uh, cases against uh, public entities. Um, we're looking to bring cases against private employers. Um, and so, you know, I'm part of the fight. You know, it's not like I'm just sitting back here whining and moaning. I'm, I'm actively in the fight. Um, we are, you know, we, we, not all of our clients can afford to pay us. Uh, we're in the process of setting up a donation button so that people can help us out. I'll have that information maybe for next week's show. Um, but, you know, there are still ways to fight. And, you know, as long as we still have the ability to fight, even if you think you're going to lose, you still fight. I mean, I don't think we're going to lose, but um, I, I do think that, you know, we have serious issues that we shouldn't minimize and shouldn't pretend are out there. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm not just, you know, sitting here on the show, whining and moaning, I'm, I'm out there fighting and I'm actually out there trying to, to help, you know, do some good. I've counseled a bunch of clients already. And um, then let's you know, go with you know. that. Your, 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 your comment just now, I think we're going to win. Okay. I think we're going to win. win. I like it. Okay. Um, Ed, obviously, if you get such a fund me or whatever you want to call it system, let us know right away. We'll get it up on Liberty Block and wherever else we appear. Um, give, send, give, send, go will not censor you. Uh, I, I will get it. To, I will get it to the audience, to you guys, and we'll get it to the audience. I, it's already up. I just don't have it off the offhand right now. So I'll have it for next week. Okay. Or, or sooner. Maybe we'll put it up on the website. Um, 
with one more shout out to our fearless leader, Elliot, at one o'clock, he has a pre-recorded interview scheduled with One American News. All right, Elliot, go Alu. Now, how big are they? They're on TV. They're on my system. They're on cable. I mean, they got to have viewers. I mean, especially since Fox was bigger. Well, Fox like bled viewers after their appalling behavior uh, during and after the last election. A lot went. What time is he on? We don't know when it's going to be on. The interview is at one o'clock. We don't know when it's going to be aired. We'll let you know. Okay, and then when you do interviews, you have to slow down the recordings anyway, so. All right, with that, we will wish everyone a good rest of your day. Next week, we should be back at our regular day and time, Wednesday afternoon at four o'clock. And as always, please send feedback to ejsshow at protonmail.com. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you. See you next week.